Ladies and gentlemen, the ball and roll pick and pot is back, back in quarantine. Nothing has changed. As usual, ballandroll.com, your spot for the best content on the web. Shop.com, your spot for the hottest basketball merch on the web. My name is Rich. We're back. Evan, dude. What's popping? Dude, everything. My elbow, my knee, my back, my lower back especially. I've been moving a lot lately, and that's the problem. When it gets to this age, moving ain't really your friend. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. You've been running a ton, dude. Dude, I've been running a lot. No, legit, though, because, like, without the gym, I, I need to get my energy out somehow. And having that routine in the day where I integrate like a physical activity in, in a form of running where I can actually ext- uh, kind of tire myself a little bit through that. Right. Yeah. I, I find it amazing. And also mentally it's been great boosting my morale and just that a feeling of accomplishment as well. Knowing that, you know what, the last week I ran this much this week, I was able to kind of beat that and beat my pace and things like that. And also for our listeners, I want to, I want to go ahead and apologize for how psychotic I am. Wait, can so, I, say something before you say this yeah so i think the, just you watching the last dance has ruined our friendship again i mean um, yeah i i think it's made you a little bit more petty as a human i, I, well, I don't know about petty you know I, I think it made you i i i mean it did make you a little bit more psychotic it also this is kind of dickish like, this is definitely 100% dickish. So, so like, before before we just say more of that, let me just break down the story. Let me preface it properly. So, yeah. uh, Richard, you know, he's been he's been doing cardio as well. Like, he's been doing great. Where, you know, week by week, he's improving his pace. He's doing a longer distance, and just you know, breaking his own records. And that, I, you know what? As, as any other friend, like I'm definitely yeah. proud of him. And I'm happy for him. Right? And you have to empower me. But yeah, that's the thing. See, and the what great Michael Jordan once said, winning has a cost. And the cost sometimes to be, quote, dickish, end quote. But, yeah, so Richard sends me that night, uh, I think it was like around 6 or 7 o'clock, he yeah. sends me a Snapchat where he compared last week's pace and this week's pace and last week's distance and this week's distance, right? Richard sent me, what was it, 4.29 at a 7-minute pace. Wait, wait, let me, well, no, no, that's not what happened. What happened was I, so I was, I've been running for a month now, once a week. Yeah, yeah. And a month ago I, I hit 3.3 kilometers, 3.33 kilometers in 30 minutes. And this past week I did 4.33 kilometers. So 4.33, I, no, you yeah. did 4.29. No, no. Four, oh yeah. Sorry. 4.29. Come on. I, this no, thing no, is ingrained in my head. No, no. But the, the important thing is, is I improved by an entire kilometer. Exactly. 30 minute run over the past month. And this was my first month of like running 30 minutes once a week. What did you do? I saw that right. Dead ass. And like that day I wasn't planning on running that, uh, that day because you know, I got my workout in earlier. I was like, and I'm, heavy lactose intolerance. So I'm having like my Mac and cheese. And uh, so usually after Mac and cheese, you know, it's TKO for me. I'm going to go floss my teeth and go to bed. That's it. You know, it's just hold my blankets and just, just enjoy that ride. Anyways. And I saw that I was mid Mac and cheese and I was like, I can't, I can't, I'm proud of you, but I can't let you have this. I went out there and I might've beat him by two minutes. So there was that. I'm sorry. I must, I must say, I'm sorry, Richard. <laughs> nice. 
big of a douche move that was. <laughs> it really was, though. But see, I, you know, there is a bright side to all this. You know what the bright side is? No. I knew I was a douche. <laughs> there was acknowledgement. What's the bright side? That, that is the bright side. Really? That I'm aware. But yeah, because do you understand how many people out there, out there do terrible things, but they're they're not aware of it, nor do they acknowledge it? I, I mean, guess. for its essence, like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. confusing, uh, I, don't, I don't know, like, a guy from Scarface as Italian. Oh, Meanwhile, God. he's Cuban. And not acknowledging that that was maybe a little, you know, not right. <laughs> Okay, well, okay, fine. I can kind of respect that. You're at least an upfront dick. You know you're. Yeah. Yes, okay. I'm, I know I know it, and I, you know, I embrace it, and I channel it. You know, I think you have to find what truly makes you great, and then harness it. And me, for some reason, is just being an absolute dick. For me. <laughs> uh, and shout out to Michael Jordan, too. He's inspired me a lot. Yeah, Michael Jordan has ruined you. You're completely... I don't know about ruined. I'm... I'm You've become a different person after watching that. That no, I think I think this person was always within me, Richard. Okay, but now it's and now it's out on. It's completely out. The like, last dance was the catalyst. Yeah, you saw. Okay, Michael Jordan's a great. He's being a douche and he can get away with it. What if? I don't even get away with it. He won rings. Yeah, well, so he got away with it. Uh, I, I don't get away with it. He, I don't know. He got rewarded for it. Either way, I think this is a perfect transition into the last. No, whoa, 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 time out. Whoa, 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 whoa. You think I'll forget about you, Richard? How are um, you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah. yeah. That's no. it. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Hanging out with my girlfriend. That's, yeah. How's she doing? Doing good. Yeah. Um, weather's nice. That's good. I see, I see you meal prepped. I meal prepped. Oh, was- Richard. That was big. Um, That's hype. That's really good for you. Congrats, buddy. Thank you. I've been cooking, been flicking my wrist over the stir- uh, the steering, uh, the the pan. Oh, Lord have mercy on this kid. I, Careful, man. We don't need you to like sprain that or anything. I've cooked <laughs> over the past two months. This is big. Um, <laughs> Last thing we need is like for you to get carpal tunnel from uh, from cooking too much. I might. Uh, so I gotta <laughs> put on like a minute and a minimum. Uh, <laughs> Should we should we get into the last dance now? Uh, yes, please, please. So, what do we do now? Um, I think I I think we have to just wait. Sit, no, yeah, wait. Basically, we have to sit on the couch by the window and just look outside and just wait, wait for that day because you know what? I see hope. I see an end to this because I think. Um, NBA and uh, told all the teams to start calling back their players. Mm-hmm. So I, that's the first step on revamping the season. So one thing we know uh, that has a high possibility is mm-hmm. that NBA season is not for sure ended. Like there is a plan that they're slowly going one step at a time to get it done. Because mm-hmm. I, Orlando, I think Disney World right now is the front runners uh, as one of the spots. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think there should be another one as well, probably in the West, where um, that that to be the spot for the West teams. Yeah. And so hopefully by the end of that, maybe we can uh, have a finals and everything at a central location. It won't be there won't be any like that's one of the most interesting things that's going to happen this year's playoffs. The home court advantage. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Like it, it, Toronto Raptors are making the playoffs. No, no Jurassic Park. I mean, yeah, that's that's very true. I'm really cu- curious to see how the NBA, if the season does happen, what the NBA does to yeah. kind of get the fans involved. Because obviously, with no fans in the stands, everyone's going to be watching from home. So it's going to be up to the NBA and to all the teams to make the in-home fan viewing experience as good as possible, right? Well, so, yeah. I mean, at the beginning of the year, didn't they? I remember in Chicago, at the All-Star break at Chicago, uh, a few days before the actual uh, festivity started, they yeah. had uh, the virtual reality. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have no idea. I, I honestly have no idea how they're going to do it, but mm-hmm. I think it's just not having any fans in the stands. They're going to have to do something. Yeah. To bring more excitement, especially to playoff games, assuming the season does happen. I saw that uh, the NBA is thinking of Orlando as a front runner. I think there's going to be another spot, like maybe Vegas, just not to have everybody yeah. bump, like thrown into one one city and into one like area. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I think uh, Adam Silver said uh, about a week ago that he's going to make a decision on the season within the next two or three weeks. Um, it seems yes. like Starting on June 1st, the NBA is going to put together some guidelines for a potential training camp for players and for teams. So mm-hmm. really exciting. And um, something uh, I noticed. So the UFC is one of the sports stars that's back, right? Yeah, yeah. UFC 249. I think that was the event a couple of weeks. Do you remember Greg Hardy? Oh, yeah. Cowboy legend. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. maybe not legend. Infamous cowboy <laughs> Yeah. So, <laughs> Let's go with that. Yeah, so Greg Hardy was fighting at that event, and mm-hmm. UFC 349 is completely empty. So Greg Hardy was fighting a dude, and apparently he overheard DC on commentary, like ringside. And DC, who's obviously a legend of UFC, in the UFC, he was just doing his regular commentary, but he was also saying, okay, Greg Hardy needs to start doing this if he wants to win. And Hardy literally heard the advice because no one's around in the stadium. Oh, that's crazy. He heard it and he literally did that and won the fight. So I'm really cu- so that made me think. I'm kind of really curious to know what's going to happen if empty arena NBA games. You're going to hear players cussing. You're going to hear trash talk. So I'm kind of curious to know what's going to happen there. And like, mm-hmm. there'd be a lot of profanities being thrown out. Maybe oh my it's goodness. Probably yeah. a lot of n-words are a lot of like maybe this is trash talk insults yeah hey 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 you over there dribbling the ball you suck yeah that seems like something mike um like mike miller would say yeah 100 percent. so it's it's kind of i'm kind of curious to know what's gonna happen um how the nba is gonna kind of protect itself from anything that might be said you know well, yeah, not not even that though. Like, well, one of the best advantages for the home team is just bringing that volume up really loud when the oppo- opposing team has to call plays and uh, uh, just run that offense, right? And you kind of muffle everything by just yelling as loud as you can. And 
not having that now play it's just gonna look like a pickup game where everything is fluid you're calling out guys and they're like oh set a screen here blah 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 but also at the same time the other team can hear but whatever it is it's gonna be a different experience like imagine a buzzer beater you know it goes like three two like the team is down by one point and it goes like three two one and then all you hear is like pop and then like shoes squealing yeah and then like a bunch of guys like yeah we did it dude there's gonna be so many squeaking shoes it's gonna be (laughs) Like, if this happens, it's going to be really weird. But I'm also, I'm curious. ASMR. NBA ASMR needs to happen. The NBA ASMR. But I'm also very, very curious to know what the NBA is possibly going to do to enhance the viewing experience. And, I, like, I really don't know what they can do, but I'm curious to see. Yeah, uh, unless they shut down, shut off the audio. Because you're so right with that point. Like, profanity sometimes it's just second nature with yeah. people that are competitive, right? Yeah. So, you know, when you're playing a game, you're not really thinking about what comes out of your mouth. You're just so concentrated on the game that sometimes, you know, when you just get hated in the moment, you say something. Yeah. And the last thing you don't even want is like Timmy at home, uh, staying up late watching that game to hear that. And the next day at breakfast, he just blurs that out to his parents. That could be bad. Yeah. But Timmy got to know better. I'm, yeah. Unless they put like a disclaimer at the beginning, like, you know how, uh, TV shows, uh, this uh, whatever show has subjects of uh, no, violence, coarse language, all that. New York Knicks playing the Charlotte Hornets. The following program. Playoffs? Viewers, no, I mean the regular season. Viewers' okay. discretion is advised. The following scene, the following um, basketball game may have scenes <laughs> of profanity. The uh-huh. game game in itself that they're going to play is absolute profanity as well. It is just trash because yeah. it's the Knickerbockers. Yeah. Um, okay. We got, we got, but, yeah, let's just, let's just uh, round this up. Um, Rich episodes nine and 10 mm-hmm. thoughts. I, I thought, dude, I thought just as a whole, this documentary was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was weird though. Like there were certain parts of it that were weird. Uh, but overall, it was really great. What I, what I just mainly found weird was throughout the 10 episodes, Michael Jordan would just throw random jabs at random people. And it's they kind of seemed like Michael Jordan had these grudges against guys. So he kind of used this documentary to, one, show how great he is. And obviously, he was incredibly, incredibly great. But it also seemed just... He has these long-standing grudges, and he's just using moments in the documentary to just throw shit at these people, you know. But, but, dude, honestly, otherwise, I thought it was really good. It it showed what Michael Jordan was in his prime. Um, I thought, I, I thought it just throughout it gave light to a bunch of different people. Gave a lot of light to Pippen, even though at certain times it made him look a little more weak, and it made. Rodman looked really incredible, but also a little bit like a lunatic and made uh, Phil Jackson look like one of the greatest coaches in the world. But uh, I don't know. Depending on the character, some characters just looked really, really bad. And some characters were looked like outer worldly, you know. But overall, I thought it was really, really good. And I enjoyed watching all 10 episodes because, uh, I mean, like, for example, Horace Grant came out and just talked a bunch about how horrible and how big of a lie this documentary was. And and if it was a lie, it's still interesting to see what this time period in the NBA was through the eyes of the guy who really pushed the NBA forward to just 
new heights, you know? So I thought it was, I still thought it was really great. How about you? No, no, I, 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 before I share my thoughts. So you said uh, that Jordan, he had uh, some negative remarks towards people. So who exactly? Like, so there was Isaiah Thomas, of course. There was Jerry Krause. Well, here's the thing. I, I didn't mind like the Isaiah Thomas thing because I thought that was Makes interesting. And, it, and Isaiah Thomas was a big part of MJ's career. Mm-hmm. The Bad Boy Pistons and the Bulls, they battled for a couple of years at the beginning of MJ's career. But I just thought random, like LeBradford Smith, like you just, unnecessary. Uh, the yeah. Portland point guard, just so unnecessary. He's so below you, you know? Like, Scott, uh, even, like, that Gary Payton moment, like, we discussed it last week, I found it so weird because Gary Payton seemed, like, really focused in that series on locking down Michael Jordan. And he did a good job, as like, as good a job as anybody could do. And see you, like, 30 years later looking at, like, an iPad and laughing at this dude who's an all-time great as well. It was kind of weird. But for me, more than that, I thought it this show this documentary made two people look really really bad in particular it made tony kukoc just look horrible and i'm honestly not too sure why it seems just i don't think it does so i think michael jordan and scotty pippen just never liked him from at the initial stage let's not for okay 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 so i i understand that one one episode it made kukoc look bad but not like they explained why uh, Jordan and Pippen explained why they went at Kukoc. They even said it's not nothing against him. They have nothing against Kukoc himself, but it's just having the stamp of approval by Jerry Krause. Yeah. And Jerry Krause was, uh, has been the villain figure throughout the episode. And uh, to, I, for the theatric reasons, I get it because every good story has a villain. Right. That's just the way it works. If it's everybody holding hands, yeah, saying Kumbaya, it's not an exciting story. There always has to be somebody just going against the hero, which, of course, since it's a Michael Jordan documentary, it's going to be Michael Jordan. But Kukoc, he was just um, an innocent bystander, bystander who just got caught shots uh, from Jordan and Pippen. But once Pippen, uh, Kukoc did join the team. They did play well together. They, in fact, they went and won three rings together, all three of them. Yeah, no, hundred well, percent. And mm-hmm. and you mentioned Jerry Krause. I think that's the really big thing here. Mm-hmm. I think Jerry Krause looked so horrible throughout For the sure. documentary, and obviously because he was the villain, as you said. But I, I really liked how at the very end it made me feel very glad how they finally said that Jerry. I think it was Scottie Pippen. How he's finally said mm-hmm. that Jerry Krause was one of the best GMs of all time. Yes. And, and, but 100%. And it seems like this documentary didn't give him a fair shake. And um, I went in and looked up Jerry Krause, and apparently he didn't even make the Hall of Fame until he, after he died, which is really shitty because he was one of the greatest GMs of all time. And this documentary showed that no relationship is perfect. And obviously, having two of the greatest NBA players of just of that era playing on your team with the personality of Rodman on the team and with the egos of Michael Jordan and the egos of Scottie Pippen, like things happen and there, and with such huge personalities in the same room and with the media being just all around because Michael Jordan is in Chicago. Now the media is over it. So the media is going to 
grab on to any low-hanging fruit there is. So they're going to blow everything out of proportion. So while Krause's relationship with the players might have not, not been too good, and partially that was the fault of the players and partially it was the fault of Krause, but the media probably added smoke to wherever there was fire to make mm-hmm. it look so much worse. And I just think Krause deserved better because no matter what anybody says, no matter what MJ said, no matter what Phil Jackson or, or Jerry Reinsdorf or he still built one of the greatest dynasties in sporting history. 100%. And, and uh, yeah, there's not enough respect that goes towards him. The fact that uh, I think after the documentary, a letter of his came out talking about what all sacrifices he kind of did in behalf mm-hmm. of the team. One of the things being uh, like he made sure nothing was ever in public. A- any issue that happened behind scene, like no matter how much Jordan went at him, like just roasted the guy in public. Pippen roasted the guy in public. Whatever it is, he wouldn't come out. Contract negotiation issues, never in public eye. It will always be taken care of inside. And afterwards itself, um, when it came time for Scottie Pippen to get more money, he told Scotty, like, um, I don't think we can give you a lot of money just purely because after this, we're kind of rebuilding. We're going to let go of this core and we're going to start, you know, starting from the bottom, basically. But even then, instead of just letting uh, Scotty go out into the free agency, he would have still gotten a lot, a lot of money. But the fact that he signed and traded Scotty enabled him to get more money at that time. He told Steve Kerr and Luke Longley, like, we're not going to give you that much money over here. But uh, what I suggest is go in free agency and just get the best offer and do that. And we'll support you with that. And all of that, like, he took care of them in a sense. And understand, the point of being a GM is not um, the sort of public fame that you're going to get. Not not be best friends with the players. That's not it. Your whole job over there is to construct the best team that's going to take you to a championship. 100%. That's it. And so... And, yeah. and, dude, that's the thing. Like, at the very beginning when Scottie Pippen signed that contract, that initial contract, he yeah. said the mindset behind it was, he, what if I get a catastrophic injury? I have to get my money now. Well, that's not Jerry Krause's fault. That's Scotty. Yeah. Scotty, and that's on his agent. Like, Jerry Krause gave him a very team-friendly contract that was a long-term team-friendly contract, and it helped him build everything around MJ and Scotty Pippen, mm-hmm. you know? So... Scotty Pippen, yeah, down the line, he was pissed that he wasn't getting paid more, but that's not on Jerry Krause. Jerry Krause isn't to, oh, yeah, you're playing so well. Here's more money. There's a salary cap, and you have to – your main job is to make your owner happy. To make yes. your owner happy is you save him money and you win him games, and that's exactly what Jerry Krause did. Maybe he was – he had a bad relationship with players at a certain point. Maybe the, maybe the players had a bad relationship with him at a certain point, but I'm 100% sure that the media blew it up. Oh, 100%. 100%. Like, the thing is that, dude, signing a seven-year deal for that much money, that is Scotty's fault. But at the same time, that's probably one of the best signings done by a GM. Like, that that was an incredible move by Jerry Krause. Not many people are able to do that. Uh, the some like it's not even a gamble at that point because it's such a low amount of money but people are like oh man they should have re-signed him they should have re-signed him understand that this is not a charity it's a business at the end of the day if they don't have to re-sign him and give him more money in order for them to get more pieces to put around uh scotty pippen and jordan and rodman and build around that 
They mm. have that extra cap room. Why why are they gonna give more of that to Scotty, who's who they have secured for another I don't know how many years? Yeah. That seems a little silly on the uh on a business uh standpoint for the Bulls. But yeah. my take on the episode uh nine and ten. What a great way to end it. I I love the whole documentary completely. Being a Bulls fan, not even that, being a basketball fan, right? Just understanding what happened from the whole 80s to 90s, how the game was and everything. You you know a little bit just through YouTube and everything like that, but understanding it through their perspective, hearing it from those players. The Pacers versus uh, Chicago, that finals. How uh, I, I, Jalen Rose, I think, it, yeah, after Reggie Miller came uh and hit that three-point shot, put, putting them up by one. And then uh, he, there was like 0.7 seconds left on the clock. And Jalen Rose, I think it was during the interview, he said, you know, look at Bird's face. Bird was the coach at that time. Look at Bird's face. And Bird was just like, he's not celebrating. And while the whole city, every single player on the Pacers is celebrating, Bird was like, he knew who was on the other end. Yeah. He knew who's going to get the ball. So even with that double clutch, Jordan just missed it by like a millimeter then. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, that uh, the whole Utah Jazz, uh, that that whole series, it was exciting. Just you know, w- w- during a time when there's no sports and you know, hope seems like it's a uh, it's a fairy tale for many people. Just being a part of like some sort of sports in a playoff for- a format was awesome. And we talk about how the uh, jumping back and forth between eras is a bad thing and everything like that. But I think. It all just worked out in order to create this masterpiece of a documentary. And uh, one thing, I don't know if you noticed at the end of the documentary how Jordan was like, I think we could have gone for a seven. I think Karash should have kept the, kept the team together and we should have gone for a seven. W- I, what were your thoughts on that? So I actually, that was the next thing I wanted to talk about. Um, I think Jordan looked so larger than life, that entire documentary until that very last point. Yeah. When he was looking at, at the iPad and looking at Ryan Zorf explaining why things were broken up. And it kind of made him seem human because you see how Michael Jordan just broke down a little bit and showed emotion for the first time that entire documentary. Mm-hmm. Right? And like I said, he, he was painted like a god, a superhuman figure that transcended sports and pop culture. And just in that moment, he just realized how it's how it, everything in the game comes to an end and how the game will eventually move on and leave him behind. And in my mind, dude, I think the Bulls really broke up at the perfect time. Like, I oh, think yeah. it's obviously Michael Jordan's going to say one year. And if they won, won that one that next year, he would say one more year. And if they won that again, it's going to be one more year after that, right? But, like, here's the thing. Dennis Rodman was coming to the end of the line at that point. Dennis Rodman was released after that final final, you know, and after that he was not the same. He was getting old. The guys it's tough to deal with a guy like Dennis Rodman, as good as he was on the court. This is the same dude who left after a, a finals game to go wrestle in a different state. Like yeah. this is such a lunatic, you know? Yeah. Like Scotty yeah. Pippen was He's, going, he's entering his 30s now. He moved on to the Blazers. And he was kind of good there. But like Steve Kerr was gone. Phil Jackson was gone. I, I just think that having everything end there kind of adds to Michael Jordan's just legend. You know, just yeah. going out after another dynasty, another three wins, and he just was able to ride out into that sunset. I think that was perfect. And I think at bringing back 
at everybody. I can't imagine everything would be on a one year to year deal type of ba- like basis. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think the Bulls made the right decision and yeah. I think it was perfect. 100%. Like you, you look at even Dennis Rodman right after that, he only played 35 games after the 97 98 season it between two teams 23 games with uh lakers where he played started 11 games and 12 games with dallas where he started 12 oh yeah right i thought it was the spurs but i think the spurs was like before. spurs was before before chicago he was with spurs it was detroit spurs chicago lakers and dallas but even then yeah it's only it's only 35 games at that point yeah right scotty Let's not forget Scotty after that when he went to the Rockets, he was he was good. He was good, but he had the whole issue with Charles Barkley. They never really amounted up to Yo, Blazers. And it, what? Oh the, no! Didn't he, went, he go to the Rockets right after? I thought he went to the Blazers, didn't he? Let me check. Let me check. I thought he went to Rockets. I might be wrong. I might be wrong, but Scotty Pippen. You, oh no, he went one year to the Rockets and then he went to the Blazers. Yeah, yeah. so the one year with the Rockets, where where he went to the Rockets, he had uh, issues with Charles Barkley. So I think Charles kind of advocated for Rodman to uh, not Rodman, Pippen to come over there. And yeah. when he got there, like before Pippen even signed over there, Jordan told Pippen saying that hey, uh, I don't think Charles Barkley will ever win a championship. He doesn't have what it takes. But Pippen was like, screw this. I'm going to go for the money. He went over there and played with Charles and never really amounted up to anything. Like he, It was injury-ridden throughout the season as well. Yeah, he played 50 games that season. But even after that, even when he went to Blazers, I think they came, came to the finals against Lakers, right? No, uh, the conference finals against Lakers, and they lost over there. Yeah. But, uh, and then, yeah, there, there wasn't really much. For Scotty over there, Steve Kerr too. I mean, he. I think he won two more rings afterwards, right? He won. Um, he won a ring with the Spurs after first. Is it one or two? I think I think it was one. I have to double check. I'll check. I'll check after. But um, I, yeah. But anyways, Steve Kerr still went and the thing with Steve Kerr is that he he fits a role. He knows his role and yeah. he plays it right. It's incredible the fact that he was able to learn that from Paxson and just keep on going. He was able to do that. But other than that. There wasn't really much going for that team. They they ended at the right time because what could have happened is that if they had returned and they weren't as great as the year before, mm-hmm. then do you really want to end off your dynasty in Chicago in a sour note like that? Yeah, you, you don't you don't want to be known as a guy who got knocked out first round or not even making the playoffs or anything like that. Not not that that could have happened, but I'm saying if that did happen, right? Because there yeah. is a potential for it. So. Mm-hmm. It is nice to think about it. I don't blame Michael Jordan for dreaming about that because, I mean, you had a surefire thing going on. Every year that you really tried, you ended up going to the finals with Mm. that squad and winning. So Mm. it's it's I don't blame the guy for dreaming for another one. Yeah, it just wasn't realistic. He's he's a competitor, and I mean, look with Dennis Rod, whatever happened to Dennis Rodman after that Bulls seasons. Uh, 1999 NBA Finals, the San Antonio Spurs destroyed the New York Knicks in the in the NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. So that would have been an interesting matchup. You had like David Robinson, you had rookie Tim Duncan. You know yes. that would have been an interesting series to watch. And Steve Kerr was on that team. 
So Steve Kirk left the Bulls the following year and went to this the San no, Antonio no, 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 no. won another championship. Oh yeah, yeah, Se- seventy, yeah, seventy-seven. 97, 97, 98, yeah. No, 97, 98 was the Bulls' last Bulls, And then 98, uh, 99, he went to San Antonio. Yeah. yeah, yeah. On another championship. He didn't miss a beat. And yeah, you obviously cannot compare Scottie Pippen to Steve Kerr because Scottie Pippen is more of a focal point and needs the ball all the time in his hands, while Steve Kerr is more, runs off of ball screens and shoots, you know? Yeah, yeah. So um, one last thing with this documentary, which um, I did, so... I've watched this video probably a million times in my life, uh, whether on YouTube or, or on TV. But the Utah, the the NBA Finals game against the Utah Jazz, the push off game. Mm. But here's the thing: all my life, just from memory and from just watching videos, I thought it was always a push off, and yeah. Michael Jordan fouled Byron Russell. And like, I personally don't care. Yeah, because. Even today, no referee calls a foul, especially a foul like that in the final 20 seconds or 30 seconds of a game. No referees ever called that. But I was just always, I always thought it was a bit of a push up, it was a foul. But just seeing that video in slow motion from a couple of different angles, I was yeah. just watching him and I was just thinking, damn, like he, Byron Russell just got crossed up and his momentum went one way. And then Michael Jordan pulled back and had a, a wide open shot. That was that just looked like a good basketball move, and he pushed a good defender off of him with a good crossover. So, like yeah. a lot. I mean, Rich, you you played ball before, and I played ball with you. Like you you just know a lot of the times you use your hand where you just want to see where the body's your opponent's momentum is going, basically. Yeah, honestly, Russell just got hit by Newton's first law. That's, yeah. that's what happened. An object in motion stayed in motion. My man went to the right. Jordan went to the left. And then he busted that shot on his face. Yeah, there, no, 100%. I, I just always thought there was like a little bit of a push there. I honestly, I think it was just a good solid crossover. And like you said, uh, Sir Isaac Newton came through for the Bulls in that moment. Um, uh, yeah. uh, Steve Kerr, three championships with the Bulls, two championships with San Antonio. So. Yeah. 98-99, he won a, ch- a championship with San Antonio. And yeah. then he played with San Antonio until 01, then went to Portland 01-02. And then he came back to San Antonio 02-03. He won a ring over there. Okay. And then he won three more as a coach. So he's an eighth right now. Dude, talk about, talk about GOAT conversation. Dude, uh, dude but honestly, Steve Kerr is awesome. Just yeah. that, I think it was at the time where they gave him some, some, uh, some, some light. Like, he looks like such a good dude. And you just see him on Twitter and how he is around his team and, like, in the media. He just looks like a genuinely good dude. Yeah, he seems like, like a nice guy. He just looks like a guy you want to pull for. And, he, and as a player, he his role. And I think as, as a do you, do you not want to pull for, I don't know, like uh, Chris Anderson? I mean. Oh, wow. I, I mean, I wouldn't mind. Wow. Oh, you wouldn't mind. Oh, okay. I see. I see how it is. You know what? That's called prejudice. No, Birdman was fun. Birdman um, was cool, and he's a sweetheart. Leave him alone. And he was also caught in a, a scandal once. Yeah. Which he, was, he wasn't even a part of. Let's not. That's a. That's a. That's a story for another episode. That 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 needs a whole an hour hour to talk about. Yeah. But but yeah, I, like. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I just mean that as a player, he knew his role, and he won, and he was a big part of that Bulls team. Made one of the biggest shots in NBA history, and as a coach, he 
kind of learn from being under guys like Phil Jackson and, uh, and, uh, Popovich, you know, just like handling egos, handling personalities and really pushing the right buttons to put his players in the right position to succeed. So I, I'm just happy for Steve Kerr because he just looks like a genuinely good dude who loves the game of basketball. And I'm, yeah, that's my thing there. I agree. One thing many GMs, executives, or coaches can learn from Steve Kerr is that don't have an ego. And that's one of the best things that Steve Kerr has. He realizes that, you know, without some of the talent that he's given, he won't be able to do much. Yeah. Like he realizes that Jordan was uh, the star. A lot of the young guys coming to the league, right? Uh, league, they're like, okay, you know, I got drafted. I'm in the NBA. I'm going to go out there, shoot the lights out. But Steve knew just purely by a great mentor of John Paxson, just teaching him that, you know, this is your role. You know, mm-hmm. when uh, Jordan, Michael needs you, he, he, he will come to you. And at that point, you got to deliver. And if you don't deliver, he won't come to you again. Steve Kerr realized that and he did that. And then going over to his coaching as well, like there was never a moment where he's always like, oh, I'm a great coach. You know, this is, it's X's, X's and O's and things like that. He he just managed those egos really well. And I'm not taking that away from his uh, play calling or anything like that. I'm sure he does great over there, but more than that, being able to handle all those egos and not make them feel that, you know, he's superior to them or anything like that. That's the most incredible thing. I mean, there was a one antic a while ago. I think they were, Golden State was playing, were playing the Suns, and Steve Kerr just gave the um, the board to Andre Iguodala and made the players drop a play for that uh, for that uh, series. Yeah. Uh, like everyone's like, oh, that's uh, you know that's unprofessional, whatever. He's just like, no, he's just letting the players show what they can do, like, yeah. whatever it is. Just learn from the guy. Just control your ego and everything like that. But Steve Kerr. I remember, uh, I think it was you and I, yeah, we had a conversation once and somehow I, I just stumbled on his basketball reference page and I saw for some reason that his place of birth was Beirut. And I'm like, what's this boy looks like he's born somewhere in like Midwest, but why? Why? And then we dived into his history and we realized about his tragic uh, of a death of his father and everything like that. And uh, the, fa- the fact that, you know, there was that one kind of concept kind of unifying him and Jordan, but it was like an unspoken concept. Uh, but at the same time, he never let that kind of like uh, decide his life or anything like that. Well, that one scene where he was on the bench and it was a one seat away from Jordan. And it was a, a clutch moment where Jordan looks at him and was like, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to come to you like very discreet. Right. And the poor innocent uh, Steve Kerr didn't realize that Jordan was being discreet and being quiet to not let the other people know that, yeah. The ball's going to come to him. And Steve's like, yo, I got it, man. I got it. I got it, Mike. I got it, Mike. Like, really loud. Yeah. He was so, that was adorable. That was absolutely adorable. I agree. He's somebody that you root for. Mm-hmm. Like, you want this guy to do well. Yeah, in that moment, uh, like, usually good guys get left behind. But in that moment, with that shot, that was, that was a basket for the good guys. Basket for the good guys. And my man on that stage during the parade. Exactly. Those, that's the basket for the dudes who... The, the girl always says, well, he's nice. You know, that, that was the shot for those guys, the ones who are nice. Um, anything else? Anything, anything else? Oh, well, yeah, I have this one thing else. So, I mean, okay. So, Rich, just hold on to something. Just, It's not controversial. It's not uh, uh, polarizing or anything. This is just a thought that I have. Um, so, when this documentary is happening, um, People are up in arms. They're 
saying, you know, Jordan is better than LeBron or the other group is saying LeBron is better than Jordan. And then there's a whole conversation about goat, 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 goat. I think that takes away from everything this documentary has done. For me, I'm not saying that LeBron is better than Jordan, nor am I saying that Jordan is better than LeBron. I think it's very unfair because times are different. And Richard, you and I had a conversation earlier today where you did say, yeah, as time progresses, game evolves and the game gets better. Yes, absolutely. But I think it's unfair when we crown a new guy goat, somebody farther down in the line in the past gets forgotten at that point. The game has evolved. Yes. At a time, there wasn't shot clocks. There wasn't three-point line. At that that point, passing was a thing. And some guys ruled that era because of that. And, you know, I'm sorry. But they haven't been forgotten. We still know. Uh, Because we're still there, Richard. We're still there. That's why. But I I think in years to come, there's going to be some other goat after LeBron. Understand that. Because by your theory, as the game evolves, uh, players are going to get better. There's going to be one guy that replaces LeBron. And at that point, some, you know, we're going to forget guys like Bill at that point. No, we won't. But like the future generations will. But for example, like in baseball, Babe Ruth played in the 20s. Right. And we still know him. But that doesn't mean he's a goat anymore. He's it's Mike Trout. It's Barry Bond. Same thing yeah, here. No, no. I, 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 I think you remember Rich. the shape of every generation. I'm about to. Okay. No, listen. I I agree. I agree. Um, but at the same time, I understand that. Like, okay. So let's just say, um, I, why I think it's unfair that we say LeBron is better than Jordan. It's purely because people are like, oh, LeBron's skill sets are much better than Jordan and whatever it is, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, you know, you take Jordan out of that era and you put him in this era. If he was brought up with the same sort of a game style that LeBron was, Mm -hmm. he could have been just as good or even better. Who knows? I'm not saying he will be or he will not be just purely because of the work ethic and that mentality of wanting to be a winner. And you do the same thing with LeBron. If you take LeBron and put him back in Jordan's era, he would have done the same as well. And people are saying, oh, LeBron's soft. He would have got fouled or whatever it is. Sure, that's because he is in this era. But take him, put him in that era. He will be expected to go into the paint and just draw the foul because that's just the way it works. So I think it's completely fair. I think we have to get rid of the whole concept of, you know, uh, GOAT. Why don't we just, like, have, you know, greatest of that era, greatest of this era, greatest of this era, and just keep on going with that and just admire these talents and that's it. Mm-hmm. There is, the whole conversation of GOAT is silly to me. Um, I mean, I personally partially disagree. I, still have, I, I, I like the idea of having a GOAT of every era. But I do also like having like an overarching, like the greatest of all time. I think sports need that. I think it makes what, it. What, what makes that, Richard? Sure. What, 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 what makes that? I You're think, telling me stats, analytics? No, I, I'm saying, well, both. Analytics is stats, but yeah, I'm no, just, no, no. I'm, I'm saying like stats and analy- analytics. Is that what you're saying? What makes one person greater than the other person? Yeah. Well, that's unfair. But I'm just saying it's 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 fun to have those conversations in my mind to have that one overarching goat or having a couple of overarching goats of every sport. That's just my opinion. I do agree that there's very clearly a goat of every generation. Like the 70s had a Kareem, the 80s had. Bird and Magic, and then the 90s had Michael Jordan, you know, and being Tim Duncan in the 2000s. But I think it's 
I, I don't see anything wrong with having one overarching goat. And it's, it's more so just the game of, like you said, like, like you said that I say, the game evolves, athletes get better, mm-hmm. players get better. It's, it's more so, for me, I just dislike how people discredit this generation of athletes just because the rules were different back then. You can't say, like, I really hate that. It kind of yes. our growth as a society because we, we, we should want players to get better with every generation. We want our doctors to get better, our teachers to get better. We, we want to keep improving with each generation. For us to say that everyone from the 80s and 90s is so much better than the, this generation just because of more hand-checking, like, we got to let... We, okay. It's, it's, we got to so, let the past go. Those are stands, Richard. So the, there are stands of each generation. That's just because of the whole go, go conversation. That's why. Because of the go conversation, there's toxicity in the basketball world. It's, I, as you said, you know, the moment somebody brings up today's NBA, there are the stands from back then who were like, oh, the game is different. You know, it's not as physical. You're not going to get a concussion trying to make a layup. That's just stupid to me. And there's also the other stands of this generation who oh, oh, who, t- who tell me that. Oh, man, I, I just got so heated at the moment. Like, um, who tell me that, the uh, you know, the, there are stats, there's um, analytics that support that the game has evolved analytics that say this player is better. And the moment that last dance comes out, the first thing of people to do without a mention of LeBron James is to defend LeBron James. That's toxic. That's like, that's just not the way it should be. Why don't we just admire this documentary that comes out? And why don't we just admire the game that's going on right now? Because of the whole go conversation, this that's happening. Yeah. Okay. That's a fair point. That's a good um, Thank you. Thank you. Grazie. Grazie. Um, no, I, I, like, nothing against it. I, I get it. Like, when someone is, um, you know, you look at the old heads. The old heads, they're so afraid of being forgotten. Yeah. Like, they're like, oh, man, this was the greatest era. I got to witness that. And it's just, um, I, I don't think there's anything better than this. And when a younger, uh, when they see new ball, they're like, ah, it's not as good as it used to be. That's like anything, you know, people say, you know, these cars, they don't make them as good as it used to be. Meanwhile, dude, your car will probably die after 100, 100 kilometers of a drive. Like it didn't have Bluetooth. It didn't have heated seats, all that. That, that to me is better, right? I just, I, I just don't ever want to be that person who, as I age, I don't want to be holding on to the past going like, these, these were the days. Like I want to, I want to be able to objectively decide, okay, this has gotten better over time, even though like this is- Richard, but the thing is that you per, you cannot objectively make that decision because purely let me just bring this example. <clears throat> uh, last dance comes out, and you know I, I there was some there was something. I said something regarding the last dance and, and Michael Jordan. Yeah. Nothing about LeBron James, but your first instinct, and this is no fault to you. I'm not blaming you or anything. I'm not coming at you, but I understand. Without your instinct was to defend LeBron at that point. One hundred percent. He's like my child. Yeah, I know. I know he's like your child. But at the same time, like that that instinct within you is because he's your goat, right? Yeah. And any mention of Michael, who is his competition in the goat conversation, who most 
famous co- uh, competition in the Google uh, conversation. Uh, it, when I mentioned Michael, you have to instinctually protect LeBron, and that's your instincts. That's not even you consciously making that decision. Yeah, that's true. I you just, gotta understand. Like that's that's not good. <laughs> I, I, I got I got. I got a tramp stamp with LeBron's name on it. I got LeBron in my DNA. The second I see something that's even like has a one percent chance of leading into a LeBron conversation, I got it. I got to jump into action. I, yeah, no, no. I, I see. And the thing is that it's not your fault. It's just because you, uh, you, your goat is LeBron. I'm not saying you think or you know. I'm saying your goat is LeBron. That's what you identify, right? You bring up Netflix, I will defend uninterrupted how dare you <laughs> uninterrupted isn't even a streaming service <laughs> it, but it has something that plays videos i oh my god well, why, why don't you define blockbuster man never 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 ever but um, yeah no that was my rant man i don't know it's just you see, you go on twitter you see yeah you see the one side who's like Oh, basketball is soft now. You know, um, the game's not how we used to be. And then you see the other side, like, yeah. oh, yeah. LeBron is the goal. LeBron is the goal. LeBron is the goal. And there's no substance. Yeah. There's no valid arguments. It's just back and forth of that. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. ugly to me. Okay. There. Especially so- during this time of pandemic where the world is torn apart. I think we as humans need to unite. We need to come together, hold hands. And we need to realize that I don't care who's on that court at this point. I would even have Cameron Payne on that court and Wait. watch him shoot some basketball. That's right. I said it right here, ladies and gentlemen. My arch nemesis, Cameron Payne. <laughs> I, can't, I wish Cameron Payne came on our pod. Wait, Wait, should we be holding him? We should be. I mean, I, that's true. Damn, you got me there. Yeah, I don't want to do that. You got me there, social distancing. I mean, okay, metaphorically holding hands, you know, like, kumbaya, my lord, Um, kumbaya, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I got you. Okay, so two more, uh, I had two more things I wanted to cover on. Dude, I'm sweating from that conversation. I'm sure you are. So two things. Uh, One thing will be pretty short. I just want your opinion on it Uh, before we get into it. Thomas. No, no, leave him alone. Ballandroll.com, your spot for the best basketball con on the web. Shop.ballandroll.com, your spot for the hottest basketball merch on the web. Kevin, are you applying to work for the NFL? Are you working on crafting your resume for a potential head coaching or GM job? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, I did take uh, the Patriots and won a ring in a year. No big deal. With Cam Newton being my quarterback, no big deal. Made some big trades. And then I took... Did you get, did you get, um, how did your dra- team's draft placement? Oh, no, there's no drafts. I traded away all my picks. <laughs> you if you got hired as a coach or a GM, your draft, your team's draft placement is going to go up by like 10 spots. That's, oh, you're talking about, I, I think you're talking about my virtual reality game. Oh, I don't know. Oh, uh, you're talking about incentivized hiring. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Any NFL teams listening out there, dude, get me. You're going to help them for the better. I'm going to be Jerry Jones' best friend. Dude, you're going to give them a, any team a better team. Jerry Jones is going to invite me into his uh, all-white. I'm not talking about the people. I'm talking the color of the rooms, okay, by the way. All-white yacht. And then we're going to sit on that oversized couch yep. like 30 meters apart because that's how big that couch is. Yeah. I'm going to yell to Jerry. I'm like, yo, Jerry, Jerry, 
because of me, we moved up 10 spots in the third round. Um, so I think we should go for this guy. Jerry's going to be like, what? I'm like, Jerry, do this. And Jerry's going to be like, yo, the Wi-Fi don't work. It's, there's a circle <laughs> thing going on on the screen right now. <laughs> yeah. um, so um, I'm out of though. Did you hear yeah. about the new uh, helmets that are coming out in the NFL? Yeah, I saw something about that. I didn't read too much into it. Um, it's going to come with of, a built-in mask. Yeah, see, I'm kind of more worried about the sport that I work in having a season. So I'm not really focused on the NFL just yet and what they do to protect their players. So other than, other than you know, say in the dugout or uh, where somebody's on the base and there's a basement over there, how much contact is there really in baseball? Well, I mean, there's the dugout. There's. I, I was thinking, what happens during a walk-off when everybody meets the batter at home plate? And oh, there's not going to be that. Yeah, that's that's weird. You know, that would be an electric walk-off win in MLB history when I just rounds the bases quietly with no fans. That's kind of gangster, though. Imagine. You know how, like, some uh, NBA players, uh, Derrick Rose against Cleveland Cavaliers when he hit that three and, like, no expression in his face and just kind of walked off, got carried like, off. But still, everybody got carried off in there. Yeah, but, like, like, imagine you just walk off, like, no expressions in your face, like, ice in your veins. Yeah. You need to have an either, you, like, this is where the player's, like, backflip game is going to come into. The league should allow it. No, the, it, it allows it. But, I mean, you either have to have a very subtle stone-faced bat flip or you must have the best bat flip of all time. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, what is What qualifies as the best bat flip of all time? Like, it's just the bat that flips. I don't uh, get it. I think it's – okay, so – Is it, like, height it, it, and no. the RPM? Does that RPM matter here? No. What about the torque? No. Are we it, speaking it, torque it, here? No. For me, it's it dependent on the situation. Because the situation makes the bat flip better. If it's a walk off in the ninth inning and you have like this epic bat flip with all the RPMs and all the torque, it looks so much better than a bat flip in the second inning in a two in a in a five four or sorry like a ten five ball game. No, I don't know. To me, I think I like if my team was down five to ten yeah. and in the second inning I hit a solo home run, I am totally flipping that. I, I'd bat flip any time. I'd bat I am, flip. as you say, pimping it. Yeah, you pimp everything. I'm going to pimp my home run, as the people, as the kids would say. Did you hear about the Korean soccer league, the soccer team? No. They oh, put, with the with the, with the, blow the up sex dolls. dolls. Yeah, they put sex dolls. Well, it's not sex dolls. I mean, they're, they're blow up dolls until. Also, oh, I guess like it's like a it's a garbage bag. You know, it's a bag till you put garbage in it, and then it becomes a garbage bag. Yeah, I feel that. I respect yeah. that. Yeah. Um, no, this was. Um, yeah, yeah. Tell me, tell me what. Yeah. Finish your point on the. No, no, that was it. Like, I think, I think it's cool. I th- but they, they, I think the Lee kind of came down on them and said you can't, you know, put blow up dolls in your stance. I mean, this still gets televised. <laughs> there is still Timmy at home watching this. There. <laughs> Yeah. But Timmy's <laughs> life is going to get ruined during quarantine. It all comes back to little Timmy. Timmy um, so, Timmy's a sports guy, by the way. Yeah. So last segment here, um, kind of a continuation of last week where we did our top five of, of different categories in our lifetime. We had that infamous. Have we named the segment yet? Um, I, th- I think it has to be named in Kendrick Perkins' honor because we wouldn't have done this if it 
Kendrick Perkins wasn't tweeting about. Well, like off the dome or like off off Kendrick's dome. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think Kendrick will come at us for that. Yeah, I don't want that. Kind of do. Uh, but Kendrick is actually a pretty cool guy, though. From every podcast appearance that he's done, yeah. he sounds like a really cool guy. Sure. So that that being said, so. Last last week we did a bunch of segments. We got five more. Uh, we did sorry, not segments. We had five different um, categories. Categories. We have five categories right now: passer, rebounder, defender, shot blocker, and best leader. Okay. Ooh, I want to start with the passer. Ten. Top five passers. You want to start off? Yeah, of course. Go ahead. Number one. This is easy. There's nobody better than this. Um, John Stockton. That wasn't in your in our lifetime though. John Stockton was. Uh, oh, you're talking about my lifetime. My yeah. lifetime. Um, uh, Chris Paul. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna go. So I was gonna go with Jason Kidd one, and Chris Paul two. What are you talking about, dude? Chris Paul isn't he like number two in assists? No, that's Jason. That's uh, Jason Kidd. Let me see leaders. Stockton on Jason Kidd two. Steve Nash is three, I believe. I think Mark, Magic Johnson's four. Mark, right. Mark Jackson is four. Okay, and then Magic is five. Yeah, damn, this kid. I thought it was where? Oh, Chris Paul seven. Okay, who do you have, Jason Kidd? Yeah, Jason Kidd. And and for me, it's not so much like how many assists you have. It's dude, Jason Kidd was such a pretty passer. He was cool. He was cool. Like, uh, there's. I hope we mention another guy in this uh, top five. From from just our lifetime pass in in the 21st century, but Jason Kidd he made some remarkable passes. Like yes, yes, he so. altered the spin of of a basketball on cer- certain passes, like down the floor. It was amazing to watch. Wait, are we talking about like I just guy mean, who makes a good pass or a guy who makes a pretty pass? Because there is a difference. So for me, I think it's more so like. You, passing is a gift, like knowing where everybody it's it, like cor- having good court vision. Mm. This like setting up your, your players for a good shot, you know, like have behind the back pass to a dude who's like completely locked up, like great. You're a pretty passer, but you didn't help your situation. You know, like for me, it's court vision. It's IQ. It's just having okay. a good feel okay. passing, you know? Okay, so how about this? For every category now onwards, preface the category, give me the proper description, and then I'm going to go with it, okay? But, okay, so we, I'm sorry? That's a phenomenal point. I'll do that. Okay, so we, because usually it's my third or fourth, and I'm, I, I am lost by that. I'm lost <laughs> in the first one, anyways. So we had um, Chris so, Paul, we had okay. Jason Kidd, and, okay, Steve Nash would be the next choice, but I'm going to go with LeBron James. Sure. Sure. No, LeBron's a phenomenal passer. There's, passer. there's so many in our lifetime that are, that are so incredible. Like I don't I, like, for example, I doubt Ben Simmons is going to be in our top five. No, um, no, but he's still an incredible passer. It's just having the court awareness yeah. and the court vision, mm-hmm. right? and playing with that high IQ. And LeBron is one of those guys. I mean, he's a great scorer. Don't get me wrong, but at the same time, he's known for setting up players. Rec- uh, I think there was an interview recently where. Or an interview or something where LeBron made a comment about the whole if he would like to play against Jordan. He said, you know, he he thinks he would be a great fit to play with Jordan. Just being his playmaking abilities, he would be able to set up a guy like Jordan. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I, yeah, LeBron number three for me. Who you got number four? So, I mean, you mentioned Steve Nash. So, yeah, I would definitely Steve Nash. Like Steve Nash with the Suns, mm-hmm. he, the Mavs, he made some incredible passes. Like he found dudes who were open and you're just like, this guy has eyes in the back of his head. Mm-hmm. It, it's incredible. Like Steve Nash, the finesse he had with his game, the, his ability to set up his teammates is, was absolutely incredible. Dude, him, him and Amari Stoudemire had one of the best pick-and-roll games to ever oh. see the league. Yeah. and It was incredible. Yeah, and it's something to be said when you have that sort of connection with a teammate where you don't even have to see the floor to know exactly where he is and where he, exactly where he's going to be. You know, and that's something that LeBron guys like LeBron has, like Jason Kidd, Chris Paul, Steve Nash. Like these guys have this ability to know exactly where the players are on the floor at all times. Yeah. And they take the accurate, like the proper pass without even looking where the ball is going. It's incredible. No, I agree. The thing with thing with pick and roll is that you know the first time or the second time or the third time, you know we can catch the opponent by a surprise. Yeah. But then after that, usually the team starts double teaming uh, the guy on the pick or the guy, uh, they switch on the pick, they hedge the pick, whatever they have to do. They might have a guy in the paint just protecting the paint, whatever it is. They will have a free safety, as I like to call them in the paint, just waiting over there for Amari to come in. But even with that, they were able to figure ways around it. But not even that, to make the league fear that pick and roll created more... uh, um, kind of shots for other people around him. And he was able to make assists to them. Like, he was leading the league in assists for a good duration of his career. Like He was incredible. Amazing court vision. Great passing skills. That's your number four. Number five. There's so many good picks over here. So many good picks. But I'm going to go with a guy like... I, I, I want to say Jason Williams, just purely because he's so pretty at passing, but at the same time, I'm going to go with Tony Parker. Tony Parker, incredible passer, um, great core vision, high IQ, never really had that physical talent, but he was able to have an incredible career in the league. Uh, Just being part of that Greg Popovich system, being able to uh, assist everybody on the team, uh, especially Tim Duncan. Well, in in, in Tony Parker's prime, he was probably the quickest point guard in basketball. Yeah, but even then, like he was still a little... Undersized. Yeah, he was always a little guy. But yeah, like for me, it was Tony Parker's a good pick. I think Jason Williams was incredible at the basket. Yeah, yeah. Oh, was um, amazing. Next up, best. Darren re- Williams. Darren Williams was nice too. Williams was a good one. I yeah. mean, said Ben Simmons is another great one, like a taller, taller point guard. Yeah. There's, dude, there's so many. Even there, like even big guys. Like, like let's give sh- a shout out to like big men who. Joakim Noah. Sure, Joakim Noah. Yeah, there's a good one. Joakim Noah, Mark and Paul Gasol, Kevin Love. They're like these big men who don't. And a, a young buck out there named uh, Jokovic. Jokic, you mean? Jokic, yeah. Jokovic is a tennis player. Yeah. Yo, that ass, that's on me. Dude, okay. there's sports going on, yet you're crossing them together. Yo, <laughs> what are you doing? Um, that's off me, man. So next up, we got best rebounder. So to preface uh, to preface this, um, for me, it's get, always being in a good position to rebound the basketball, and then obviously like being able to box out your competition and grab mm-hmm. 
So whether that's on the offensive and like for me, I like, like let's think of guys who are good offensive and defensive rebounds, not like guys who just mm-hmm. a one side of the ball. So yeah. I guess I'll also, s- does this count where um, a dude that's on a trash team who just misses a lot of shots and then he just benefits from it? Does that does that matter as well over here? Well, I mean, even if you're on a trash team and there's a lot of misses, that means there's a lot of guys going for the rebound. That that's up. true that's facts okay okay i get it so who do you have number one number one i would go with um in my lifetime and just in, in the 21st century i was gonna go with dwight howard number one mm-hmm. just like before he started getting injured just like in his prime this dude was like a consecutive rebound champion like athletic freak so strong <laughs> And he would get every single board and he would box everybody out. Like that dude, like when he said he was Superman, like you see his physique and his athleticism and explosiveness, the way he just gets off the ground. Like for me, it's Dwight Howard number one easily. So are we doing like 95 onwards or like 2000 well, onwards? Well, for me, I started watching basketball in 2000. So okay. like, not, like I'm not so, going to. I mean, pretty close to 2000. Uh, I'm going to go with a guy named Timmy Duncan. I think he's uh, somewhere in the top five or top 10 in the league for uh, rebounds of all time. Never really, you know, he never really had that Dwight thing where, you know, he's just jumping off the ground where he's floating in the air to grab it, uh, grab it from space or anything like that. He was just in the right place at the right time at all, all times. Great uh, placement when it came to grabbing boards. So I have Tim Duncan over there. That's good. Um, I have Shaq at number three just because. That's true from 2000 onwards. You're right. He's Bobby the Chicken. Yeah, like what I meant with 2000 onwards, like I could say Karl Malone, but I haven't watched that dude play a lot. I only watch YouTube and stuff. Yeah. Like Shaq, I watched him play for like 10 years, you know? Yeah. So for me, Shaq, number three. Dude, imagine if Shaq, like, so I heard um, in the PMT interview with. uh, Carl Malone, weirdest interview I've ever heard, that okay. guys back then weren't weight training. Hmm. Imagine if Shaq weight trained, dude. Yeah. That would have been insane because, like, Shaq had a big downfall, like, when it came to where the end of his career. It just looked like he just didn't really take care of his body. I, mean, I get it. It's just age and all that but no Shaq Shaq was incredible uh, during his prime there was nobody that could beat him like a guy like that in the paint you yeah. can't move him around not just his weight and height he just had that physical strength yeah. just to move, move everybody out of the way to grab the board great pick at number two number three I have a guy like Kevin Garnett you're at number four right now I'm at number four so it was what I uh Timmy D and uh you went Shaq, number four for me, yeah. Number two pick for me, number four for all of us. So Kevin Garnett will be yep. number four for me. Great rebounder, uh, one of the most dominant sort of four, and a little bit of five during our times. Uh, just a physical, physical, physical guy. You look at this guy, he's just skinny, tall, like, but just lanky dude. But at the same time, like, he's just, he's just a beast in the paint, man. Like, he wasn't afraid to, like, after grabbing the boards, just throwing around the elbows. He was just that type of guy. So, Kevin Garnett, number four for me. And for me, number five is kind of like a tie between DeAndre Jordan and Andre Drummond. Like, these dudes kind of not obviously the same physical 
and athletic ability as Dwight Howard, mm-hmm. but they're just that next tier after Dwight Howard. Athleticism, explosiveness, strength. Like these guys have been getting 13 and 14 rebounds a game for years now. My honorary mention would be Kevin Love. Kevin Kevin Love, especially when he was with Minnesota, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Kevin Love, good rebounder. Um, Even like the little guys, I think it's very impressive when smaller guys have a knack for rebounding. Oh, we forgot Westbrook. Yeah. I was going to give him a shout out, like guys like Russell Westbrook who are able to like, there's so much IQ Russell Westbrook for all his like bad shot selection. And sometimes he gets a little out of control. He has a, such high basketball IQ when, when it comes to something as small as like rebounding. He knows how to that dude, his motor motor. He you knows- talk about like guys like uh, Dennis Rodman who strived just one of the biggest reasons was his motor. Russell Westbrook was that guy. He would emphatically go and grab the board from the air, and he would run down the floor and finish on somebody. But it's more, but it's more so just knowing when to go oh, up. One hundred percent yourself, because he, when he's going up for board, he's not. There's mostly, like more often than not, he's a smaller guy. Yeah, so yeah. You, have, you have to have such high basketball IQ to be able to out rebound these dudes. Yeah, definitely. Guys like guys like him, really a really smart rebounder. Like Jason Kidd was a really smart rebounder for a point guard. Mm-hmm. For a guy who was 6'3", 200 pounds, to average seven, 7.1 boards throughout his whole career? Russell Westbrook, that speaks volumes, man. Yeah, I agree. Um, moving on, we got three more categories, and then we'll wrap this up. Best defenders, top five. Okay, so oh, this one's tough because there are, I mean, understand the game evolved to the, a certain point where, you know, it's more offense, uh, offensive centric. But when I think about a guy who can, in my lifetime, where I saw a guy go out there and shut down another guy, it would be a guy like Matt Barnes. Matt Barnes was a great defender. Um, That's interesting. No, he was, dude. He was. He was the he was the goon on your team where uh, every night uh when you're playing another team, he was put on the best player. He was the guy who was put on like a guy like LeBron James. He was the guy who was put on uh Kobe when he was with Orlando Magic. And mm-hmm. all that. I, I, guess. I, I yeah. I guess. I was I wasn't gonna go with Matt Barnes. I like he was put on these guys, but they still put put up a ton of points on him. Like I ah, No, I but know. he's still he's still did pretty well. Let me see if he has any. Like I, like, I think he was a really good defender, but I think, like, unfortunately for him, he was a little smaller, you know? Like, he would, like, he was. 7, 226? Yeah, but what? He wasn't He's 6'7, he's 226. Yeah, that's, like, skinny. Nah, I don't know. But at the same time, like, it's defense is not even about size a lot of the times. So understand that a guy like Patrick Beverly is an incredible defender to me, and sure. he's not that big. Sure, um, mentality, just being able to go out there and just shut down a guy. Sure, um, like for me, my my number one would be Kawhi Leonard. I think Kawhi Leonard is the best <sighs> perimeter besides Scotty. Yeah, yeah, like besides Scotty, I think he's a better perimeter defender than Scotty Pippen ever was, just because. Kawhi Leonard just has those bigger hands and bigger length, you know? Mm-hmm. Scotty Pippen had that length in those hands. It was, and 
and Kawhi Leonard is just strong as shit too. So mm-hmm. I'd I'd go Kawhi Leonard. Great pick, great pick. Okay, so Kawhi being your number two. Okay, so number three, I would put Shaq over there. Shaq was a great defender. Nobody was able to go into the paint and score while he was in there. Uh, guy was just a physical phenomenon. So that's why I have number three. I got I got Giannis four. Dude, Giannis, his athleticism, explosiveness, his length, his strength, he can guard all five positions and literally anywhere. He can be a, he can be a really, he's like, you, you see him with Milwaukee, he's a good health defender, he can be a great weak side defender, he can be a great on-ball defender, he can defend the paint, he can defend the quickest, best player on, your, on, your, on the other team. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay, so I have a toss-up over here. There's a few defenders that I love. So, of course, Jimmy Butler, he is one of my favorite players of all time, but he's one of those gritty guys who go out there and play incredible defense. Uh, But I think I'll have to have a guy like Ben Wallace there. That's a good fit. Ben Wallace was an incredible defender, um, heavily underrated coming into the league, but once he got into the league, he earned his keeps, just being that defensive anchor on that piston squad yeah that's a good one you i mean undrafted guy yeah um i mean well, who would you do like um honorable mentions a guy like draymond green um i'm uh, I, mean, World Peace. I, I like draymond green a lot as a defender i i was thinking tony allen tony allen yo lebron james was a great defender LeBron james lebron james he is look lebron james whenever he engages he can be an incredible yeah, and he's so athletic. It's just a matter with LeBron. It's a matter of when he wants to be. I think OG Ananobi is remarkable. You forgot your babe, though. My babe. Yeah, your babe. Kyle Lowry. Oh, he's a good defender. He's a good defender. He's a good defender, but I wouldn't put him up there. I think no, like, no, no. like Rudy I'll, Gobert. Yeah, Rudy Gobert. He's but like for me, like Rudy Gobert is. Such a great defender at the rim, you know. He protects the paint like wow. For my honorable mentions, I'm thinking like I think OG Ananobi. Like ten years from now, you're gonna be talking about. But that's you can't say hypothetical, Richard. Oh, you got to go with I mean, proven like, track record. But I mean, right now, he's one of the best per- perimeter defenders. Sure, and I think he's one of the better ones that I've seen in my lifetime. But putting him ahead of like Jay, uh, like Kevin Garnett. I think Kevin Garnett was really great. Duncan. Uh, Yeah, that's a Kevin Garnett was an exceptional defensive power forward as well. There's there's so many. Like Danny Danny Green's a good defender. Clay Clay Thompson's a great defender. Clay great defender. Dude, Kobe Brown was a great defender too. Fantastic defender as well. Um, Damn. There's some defenders, dog. Dude, Chris Paul was Chris Paul. Defensive point guard. Like you mentioned, Chris Paul was IQ. Yeah, uh, Patrick Beverly was a like you said he's a phenomenal defender. Uh, there's dude, there's so many. There's a ton. Paul George, great defender. Jason Kidd was an amazing defender too. Yeah. Jason yeah. Kidd was a really good defender. He, yeah. he was. Let's not forget that. Okay. How how you going to disrespect my my so, guy, man? Dude, what about Meta World Peace or Ron Artest? Meta World Peace, great defender. Ron Art, uh, Joakim Noah was a great defender. Tayshaun Prince was a really good defender. Grant Hill. Luol Dang. Luol Dang was yeah. dead. 
but yeah, he died. He he died. And, yeah, I mean, his career was yeah. Anyways, what's your, what's your, what's the next category? So we got two more, and then we'll wrap this up. So let's let's speed this up a little bit. We'll we'll go uh, best shot blocker. So I'm gonna kick, uh, I'm gonna kick this off. So th- now we're looking at just great rim protectors. So okay. That's preface. So. Like for me, it's being a good shot blocker is one knowing when to go up, not just like Hassan Whiteside for me is not a like while he's a great shot blocker, he's also he leaves so much to be desired as a paint defender, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, a guy like again Dwight Howard, phenomenal shot blocker, multiple time all defensive player, even to this day really good defending the paint. And even out a little bit. Great weak side defender, great off ball defender who can help out and, and get a weak side block. I'll go with Dwight Howard. Dwight it's, Howard, good pick. Uh, yeah, no, no, that's a good pick. I think he's, I think, in the top, uh, I don't know, 10, 20 or something like that in blocks of all time. Yeah, great pick over there. Uh, it's just, it's his athletic abilities, right? I yeah. mean, he was known for grabbing the air, ball out of the, out of the air. Like, and just palming it on the block and then coming down as a board. Like, uh, to me, that's incredible for a guy who can barely palm it while holding the ball. Like To palm it while blocking a shot is incredible to me. So great pick. I have Tim Duncan. Um, you know, he, he, he's in, I think, top, top five or top ten in blocks all time. But more than the blocks, just deferring the shots, right? Just uh, not deferring, deterring the shots. I'll just, huh? Yeah, altering the shots. Yeah, yeah, just 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 being that presence over there. So mm-hmm. he was a great defender in that sense. Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, ben Wallace is my next pick. Ah, I wanted him. I wanted Ben. This guy in two thousands was incredible. Like this, he was a he, beast. He anchored the best defense of the decade. That speaks volumes. Yeah, that squad had a lot of defenders. Yeah. And being the anchor of that? Yeah. Let's not pay Sean Prince as well. He was a great defender back in the day. Chauncey Billups could hold it down too. Yeah. That was Uh, a good squad. I loved it. So that's your number three, right? Yeah, number three. So number four for me. Okay, so there's a few options, but I'm going to go with Jermaine O'Neal. Jermaine O'Neal was a great, great defender in the paint. Yeah. He was able. Huh? He's really good in NBA Live 2005. Dude, you love that game. That that, that specifically I, that game has a sponsor. You not like twenty twenty twenty. No, like, I don't want anything that, else. Like that one. they should have a resurgence. Yeah. You know how like Tony Hawk's video game they're redoing it. Like the old game they're redoing it uh, so they can, you can play it on the new consoles with yeah. like online player and everything like that. They should do that with the which one was it? Oh seven. Oh five. NBA Live. Oh five. Oh five. My bad. I'm sorry for the disrespect. But yeah, they should do that with the oh five for you specifically, and you be the brand ambassador. Here we go. That's um, big. So your number four was Jermaine O'Neal. Yes. So my number five. Um, I I I'd get Rudy Gobert in there. Yeah. Uh, and actually, no. I I'd, like Rudy. I'd put Rudy Gobert in there. I I'd, I'd put Giannis in there as well. I think Giannis is a really great. Um defender um like shot blocker and paint defender i think even like mark gasol he's not a yeah. good shot blocker like not particularly a good shot blocker but he's such a phenomenal paint defender 
Yeah. Like Just, you, you look at a, a seri- the Philadelphia series. Philadelphia series against Joel Embiid. Like, Joel Embiid is a great interior defender as well and a good shot blocker. Um, Zach, Another 76er, Alton Brand. He was... Uh, he was good, dude. He was a good perimeter defender. He's, I think, yeah, he's in top 25 blocks all time. See? I don't even remember. He played for the Clippers and the Clippers suck. Um, he played for Philly too, right? For a little while? Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. Uh, oh, um, let's see. Let's see. Who else was there? Um, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I think that's it. That's okay. it. Now you're a Paul Gasol. Paul Gasol. You forgot Paul Gasol, Mark's brother. Yeah, like he was a good perimeter defender, not like a good shot blocker, but a good perimeter defender. Uh, he was in top twenty-one blocks all time. Is he? Yeah. Keep in mind, he's also played for a really long time, which helps. But I, when I think of Pau Gasol and Marcus Gasol, I just think of really, really smart and disciplined defenders. Oh yeah, yeah. No, they're they're incredible IQ, both of them. Like like DJ is a really great shot blocker. Yeah. Um, like even someone younger, like Zion Williamson, he's going to be uh, a shot blocker, you know? I mean, yeah, he can block. Yeah, that's, but yeah. I don't know. There are still questions in some of his defensive abilities right now. I mean, like his physical ability to defend is there. There's no question about it, yeah. but some of his choices on court, yeah, it's, it's still yeah, uh, up there for discussion. Yeah, like the question for him is obviously the mother. Okay, so Yo, last Shaquille second. O'Neal. Yeah, Shaquille. Yeah, obviously Shaq. But here we go. Last last section, and then we'll wrap this up. Last category. Best leader on the floor. Oh. Um, my okay, number. Should I start? No, I'm number one this time, right? Uh, yeah, you're number one. Now. Yeah. LeBron James. Yeah, I was gonna go LeBron. Sorry. Oh. Okay. I'm, when you go to the NBA Finals, H or whatever years, like you gotta be able to pull the right strings on the floor. Yes. Yeah. Um, like I don't know, maybe it was uh, James Jones, but we'll go with LeBron. Yeah. Um, my number uh, number two for me is Steve Nash. Great, great leader. He led to one of the prettiest offenses I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. So, like, egoless, great, great mentor, mentor for like younger point guards like Leonardo Barbosa. Uh, Marcus Banks was there as well. I don't know if he was around. Goran Dragic was there. He was he was a good mentor for him. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Eric Bledsoe. No, Eric Bledsoe was a good Clippers and that came over. But just a phenomenal, like, s- smart dude, high IQ, great leader, Steve Nash. Yeah. Steve Nash, great pick, great pick. Um, I have Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett was an yeah. amazing leader, and Kendrick Perkins talks about it to yeah. this day. That's one of the biggest reasons why he idolizes it. You know, he's on that court to take care of every single player that plays with him, not just yeah. that lead by example every single time. He's willing to go out there and do everything it takes to win, and that's that's the best thing about being a leader. Like that's the best way to be a leader. You can say all you want. But yeah. it doesn't mean anything unless he can lead by example. And that's one of the greatest reasons why Kevin Garnett is up there for me. 100%. And I was actually going to go with another a dude who was teammates with Kevin Garnett, Rajon Rondo. Phenomenal leader. Like, even now, to this day, like, he is not the same player he was before he tore his ACL. But uh-huh. you hear so many guys just talking about Rajon Rondo, how important he is. Like, dude, Rajon Rondo wasn't that good last year. And so yeah. many people are hyping him up, like, yeah, 
great signing by by the Lakers. Great, like Hendrick Perkins and guys like in the like former players just hyping him up. Like this is such a great signing for for the Lakers. Even though Rajon Rondo is like older now, he can't really shoot. He never was able to shoot and just always been that phenomenal leader and floor general who's kind of like an extension of the head coach on the floor. Yes. Roger. No, I, I agree. And when people talk about the uh, Celtics championship run, they're like the big three, the big three, you know, Paul Pierce, uh, Ray Allen and KG. But at the same time, let's not forget Rondo was an integral part of that run. Rondo was one of the biggest reasons why they won. So Rondo, great pick by you. Okay, so the last pick, I have two guys, two guys who I think are incredible leaders throughout their whole career. One guy being Chris Paul, but that's not my answer. Chris Paul is an incredible leader because like I'm sorry, pick. I like that pick too. He's, he's a, yeah, he just because every single team that he goes, he has a positive impact. Uh, you you look at when he got traded to OKC. You know, they thought, you know, he's just going to come over there for a little while and then go to another team, go join LeBron, whatever it is. But even while he was over there, he still was a great, not a, oh, not a, yeah, yeah. He was still a great impact for a guy like Shai, Shai Gilju Alexander and just forming these guys and pushing them to that playoff spot on a year where the league thought they weren't going to make the playoffs. But mm-hmm. who I have number five is Tim Duncan. Yeah. Tim Duncan was a silent leader, but he leader nonetheless throughout his whole career. Yeah. Even at his end of his career, while he wasn't part of the team, um, the, he still came in. Uh, I remember during the playoffs to hype up the guys, to tell them, yo, this is what you got to do. Don't count it out. Let, let go out there. And he used to help some of the younger guys on how to work. Uh, yeah. Like uh, work on their game and stuff like that when he didn't have to, to the point where now Greg Popovich clearly sees some talent in there uh, in a coaching position and brought him in for that. So Tim Duncan is my for sure number five. Yeah, he's one of those dudes who just led by example as well. Yeah. And I, I mean, honorary mentions, I think Kyle Lowry is an exceptional Great leader. leader. Yes. I think guys like Steph Curry are mm-hmm. exceptional leaders. Like, well, I'm, I, I, it's interesting we didn't mention Kobe Bryant, but I mean, a lot of people hated playing Kobe, and that should speak on what kind of leader he was, you know? Uh, the thing was that Kobe kind of took the leadership approach that Michael Jordan kind of took. Yeah. You know, where it's the, I'm going to make you tough. I'm going to just uh, go at you so hard to the point where it callous forms and you're just hard and yeah. ready for the world. I think that, that's the type of guy Kobe was. Kobe called out every single player on the, uh, uh, uh while practicing, yeah. you know, that, that when the, that type of leadership exists in a guy like Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler is that leader too, to me, yeah. but, um, that, yeah, but that's a different way of leadership, which in today's sort of PC culture might not be, acceptable like it, it, they're going straight to karen at hr <laughs> the moment someone says you're trash well anyways on that note we got we got to wrap this one up this has been going on for a while another great episode um before we end this ballandroll.com your spot for the best basketball content on the web shop.ballandroll.com your spot for the hottest basketball merch on the web kevin this has been fun we'll be back next, next week next week. Peace.